This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, today we really have one of the great passages in the Gospel of John. During the first cycle of the Lenten readings, we hear these terrifically powerful spiritual passages from John. And the first one today is the story of the woman at the well. You know, the image of thirst is used throughout the Bible. It's a wonderful image for our thirst for God. Remember the psalmist says, As the deer yearns for flowing streams, so my soul thirsts for you, my God. Isn't that great? Because thirst is so elemental. It's such a basic desire. When you're really thirsty, you come in from a hot day, you've been exercising, there's something that's just demanding about that. You have to address it. So the psalmist implies our thirst and desire for God is that powerful. The first reading for Mass today is a reflection on the Israelites having made their way out of Egypt now in the heat of the desert, and they complained to Moses, Why did you ever make us leave Egypt? Was it just to have us die here of thirst? Thirsty people, not just for water, but thirsty for the presence and direction of God. One of the most mysterious and powerful passages in the New Testament speaks of Jesus' thirst as he hangs on the cross in the agony of death. He says, I'm thirsty. It's as though Jesus himself at this moment is thirsty for God, sharing in our own experience of yearning for the presence of God. Now, this familiar theme is on beautiful display in this story from John's Gospel. He tells us at the height of the heat of the day, at 12 noon, Jesus sits down by a well in Samaria. And there he encounters a woman who has come to that well seeking water. He says to her, give me a drink. Now this little simple scene, as is typical of John, is full of spiritual meaning. The woman coming to the well, she embodies this whole tradition that I've been alluding to. Human beings thirsting for God. And she comes, as we all do, seeking. Whom does she meet? She meets Jesus, who says to her, give me a drink. In other words, who says to her, I'm thirsty. It's the heart of the Christian spiritual life. Because at this moment, listen now, two thirsts meet. The human thirst for God and, mysteriously, God's thirst for us. Does God need us in the same way? Well, no, of course not. God's God. We're creatures. But St. Augustine said this, 
Jesus is thirsty for her faith. Jesus is thirsty for a response from her. Isn't that terrific? The love of God, the passion of God to share his life with us, that is a kind of thirst. Salvation occurs when our desire for God meets the even more powerful desire of God for us. I've often talked about that lovely poem of Francis Thompson's, The Hound of Heaven, because it sums up, I think, beautifully what God is about. Even as we run away from God, God is running after us. So here, our thirst, it's trumped, it's overcome by God's thirst for us. Now, as the story proceeds, what do we hear? Well, the woman is, is put off by this question. She's a little bit surprised by it, even insulted by it. You, a man and a Jew, are asking me for a drink? So in Jesus' time, first of all, a Jew would have nothing to do with a Samaritan. But more to the point, a man would never address a woman in public. It was unheard of. So she's doubly shocked by this. How can we translate it, perhaps, in spiritual language? Aren't we a little bit shocked by this very language I've just been using? You, you God, you are thirsty for me? You're asking me for a drink? You need me? Yes, that's the beauty of Christianity. Yes, God is thirsty for our faith. We register the same surprise that the woman at the well does. What does Jesus say to her? If you knew who it was who was asking you for a drink, oh, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Terrific, terrific. This Johannine symbol of the living water. What Christ is talking about is grace, is the divine life. It's what he's come to offer. Switch the symbolism around. I've come to light a fire on the earth. That means I've come to share the divine life. Here we have now the opposite symbol, but the same basic meaning. I've come to give you something to drink that will satisfy you. Living water. Listen how the Lord elaborates this. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst here, I think, is the hinge upon which this whole reading turns. He's saying to her, you come to this well every day, don't you, to draw water. You drink it, and then you want more. You get it, but it doesn't satisfy you. I want to give you this life of grace, this divine life, which will permanently satisfy your thirst What's being described here is the play between concupiscent desire and the desire for God. I've often talked about this. We have been made for God, wired for God. God alone will satisfy us. St. Augustine said, Lord, you've made us for yourself, and therefore our hearts are restless till they rest in thee. You are the only one who will satisfy us. This woman coming to the well every day, drinking from it and not being satisfied, she's a symbol of all of us in our concupiscent or errant desire. 
when we have hooked our desire for God into something or someone less than God. I say, money will satisfy my infinite longing. So I seek it, I seek it, I seek it. I enjoy it, it satisfies me for a short time, and then what? I'm thirsty again. I want more. So I go back, I go back, I go back. Or I say, sex will satisfy me. And so I seek it, and I seek it, and I seek it. And it doesn't satisfy me. It can't satisfy me. So I want more and more and more. Or I say, the love of other people will satisfy me. If I'm popular, I'm famous, I'm well-liked, and so I seek it, I go to that well again and again and again, and it doesn't satisfy me. This woman beautifully symbolizes all of us, all of us sinners, bringing the bucket of our desire to a place that will not satisfy us. Jesus says, I will give you water springing up in you to eternal life. That's grace. That's the divine life. He's saying, make me the source to which you come. I'm the source of living water. I'm the well. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I mean, all of us have to enter into the experience of this woman and then hear those words of Jesus offering us the water that will satisfy us. Here's a lovely detail in the story. It's a kind of curious interlude. But Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come back. The woman says, I have no husband. Jesus responds, yeah, you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. And she says, oh, I can see you're a prophet. So he gets it right. What's going on now in this little curious section? In an admittedly sexist image, but in the symbol system of John's gospel, it, it made sense. Call your husband. That means, get for me, find for me, that which is running your life. What's directing your life? Who's your husband? That means, what's the power source of your life? Well, I, I don't have a husband. That's right. You've had five. And the one you have now is not your husband. No number in John's Gospel is ever peripheral or unimportant. Who are these five husbands that she's had? St. Augustine says they stand for the five senses. <laughs> Great. In other words, here's someone, like a lot of us, like a lot of us, Here's a woman whose life has been run by her five senses. What does she seek in her life? Well, the beautiful things her eyes bring in, the beautiful sounds her ears can bring in, the beautiful uh, things that she can touch. She's someone who's dominated by sensual pleasure. Those shouldn't be your husband. Those should not be the force that governs your life. That's why Augustine furthermore says, what we have here is a kind of marriage proposal. Jesus is saying indirectly, I want to be your husband, which is to say, I want to be the power that governs your life. Let me live in you that I might govern your mind and your will and your creativity and your sensuality. Let me be your husband. The church fathers often spoke about the marriage 
between heaven and earth that Jesus affected. The marriage between Jesus, the bridegroom, and his church, the bride. Well, here we see it. This woman at the well is a kind of bride, and Jesus is proposing himself as the bridegroom. I love how this exchange comes to a conclusion. The woman is so impressed by Jesus and what he's offering to her that she runs into the city from whence she came. And she runs in announcing him. She says, everybody, come see this man who's told me everything I've ever done. Terrific. Has Jesus literally told her everything she's ever done? Well, of course not. He hasn't recounted her entire life. But what has he done? He's uncovered the secret of her life. He's uncovered that which has governed everything she's ever done, which is to say her concupiscent desire. You've been seeking out God in all the wrong places. And that desire has governed and determined everything she's ever done. You've had five husbands. You've been governed by your five senses. He has told her everything she's ever done. And she announces Jesus. I want everybody to know about him. She's the first evangelist in John's Gospel. The first one to proclaim Christ. How terrific. Once she's been cured, she's been healed, and she knows now where to find the living water. All she wants to do is tell the world about it. When you've read a great book, you've seen a great movie, you've encountered a wonderful person, what do you want to do? You want everyone to know. Christians, this is the call to evangelization. Once we have been healed by the Lord Jesus Christ and brought to his living water, now we want to bring everybody to it. So we go into the city, into the towns, into the fields, and we announce the Lord Jesus Christ as she did. Once we've begun to drink of the waters of grace, then we become like an overflowing fountain, offering that same grace to the world. God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of The Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.